Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. It's time that we understand we're here with a purpose about the king's business. Amen? We don't have a lot of time to just waste and just live our lives for a world that's passing away. Let's get after it. Amen and amen. Come on. I'm super excited. It's going to be great and uh, really excited as we, as we continue and lean into this today. I, I'm going to share with you some things today. I'm going to give an overview of Genesis, but it doesn't sound as, as it's, excuse me, let me try it this way. It's not going to be as boring as that sounds, okay? Because I want you to understand we're going to begin to engage in Genesis tomorrow, excuse me, on, on Tuesday. And it, it matters. Why Genesis? Why, why is it that as we come to the scriptures, what does it matter to you? What does it matter to us? There's a lot of things that make us up as individuals, a lot of different things. We're all different in here. We're all individuals. We all have kind of different backgrounds. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of the story of us. Like, what's our story? What's your story? I, I love looking into my heritage. You know, my, my family got me one of those things you spit in, you send it off, and they tell you your heritage. And, and that was really cool. And, but I, I love to think about the journey of the people of why am I here? Why am I in this in this church and what did God do before me that allowed this and come and find out one of my, my grandpa's actually lived up in the mountains for he was a Kentucky boy, came and lived up in the mountains here in Colorado like 30 minutes from me. That's super cool. I didn't know that. Maybe that's why I'm here. I don't know. But part of it is just, it's this journey and there's a story of why you're here. And we need to know that. We need to understand how we got here. It's, it's actually really great, and, and we get to see how maybe some of our ancestors drifted from probably an original destination. We get to see how they had to deal with complications, or I'm, I'm always interested, how did some of my ancestors deal with war, how they deal with, with, the, with a, a plague and the, you know, different flus, and how they deal with communism, how they deal with all this kind of, like, it's just fascinating to me because I'm connected to that. But I'm also, I'm curious because it kind of tells a little bit of my story. Those things have shaped me, whether we realize it or not. They've shaped us. It gives us a better understanding. And for me, there's there's even an explanation of myself that's connected deeply to to the land in which I grew up on. My home was, was kind of nestled 10, 10 miles west of Golconda, Illinois, which means nothing to you. It was right across the, the Ohio River from Kentucky. And if you, if you wonder where that's at, maybe this will help you. The other towns around it are Dixon Springs, Brownfield, Glendale, Rob Simpson, or Eddyville. Does that help at all? No, okay. But there's a connection to the person I am today that was found in, in that area, in the woods that I used to run in and play in, the trees I, I used to climb and fall out of every once in a while, the ponds I, I used to go fishing and swimming in, the memories of my mom and dad when, when I was younger of just drinking sweet tea outside in the evening on the summer nights, or the memories of the nights 
that uh, my two older brothers and my little sister would sit around the, the, the fire pit and burn stuff we shouldn't. <laughs> I remember working on my jump shot and the basketball hoop that's, that was mounted up in the, up in the loft of the barn, the, the, the hayloft. I remember the, the hot summer days teaching my sister how to play basketball. The time our neighbor, Lawrence McClellan, jumped the starter on his tractor, and you jump it with a, with a screwdriver, you shouldn't do it because of the story I'm going to tell you. Once a hydraulic pressure builds up after you, you, you start it, the tractor takes off. So if you, don't, if you have it in gear, it's going to take off once it builds up. And I remember seeing him chase a big tractor across a field that he couldn't catch that came to stop as it went down to the creek and ran straight into a tree and flipped up on its, on its back end. I remember going down there being like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> I remember that. I remember the, the memory of my dad heard a faint holler from our neighbor who was, you know, several, it, it was a good ways away. There was only two of, two of our houses at the end of this lane. And Lawrence, he's, Lawrence was always getting in trouble. Lawrence had caught his his coveralls on the PTO shaft of the, of the combine. And it started twisting it. And my dad heard this faint scream for help and he took off. He got over there, shut the combine down. And by then, he, it was just at the point that Lawrence probably would have lost his arm because it would have wrapped his arm in the PTO shaft. So my dad pulls out his old old timer pocket knife and starts cutting Lawrence McClellan free. Those memories shape me. I remember a lot of times driving the gravel roads at night in the summertime, listening to country music. I, I didn't have K-Love, or I would have, okay? So, no, I'm just kidding. I remember the time that I took my brother's three-wheeler three without his permission on a joyride and instead of power sliding around the, the hairpin curve on Wagner's Lane, I, I missed the curve and I wedged the three-wheeler three right between two trees and I continued to fly out into the muddy cornfield and was stopped by the mud and the leftover corn husk from the year before. I remember those things. And then I remember the long walk back to the house that I was going to have to tell them, you might want to go get your three-wheeler three that stuck between those two trees. It, was not, it's not, it's, it wasn't, wasn't a good thing, but it, it shaped me. And that land is part of my beginning. It's my foundation of my upbringing, the, the memories of me Memories of me hearing God's small, still voice. The memory that I sensed his hand was on my life. And he wanted to use me for his purposes. I remember the day I packed up my, my truck and I hugged my parents and I moved to Texas to go to Bible college. Though at the time, all those things were just, they're just like, well, that's life. That's what you do. But actually, 
That's what shaped me. It's part of my story. It's what made me. It's where I came from. It's my roots. And our roots explain a lot about who we are. They really do. It's the place of our beginning. And as we are going to be beginning reading the major events of the Bible starting on Tuesday together, we're going to start at the beginning. Because our beginning, the beginning, Genesis, says a lot about us. We're connected to it. It describes where we came from. It's, it's, it's the book of our roots as Christians. Everything that we are as Christians is rooted to Genesis. It's our beginning. And as we journey through the scriptures, we're going to come back. You're going to come back to Genesis. You're going to come back to your roots. You're going to come back to, oh, that explains this. One scholar wrote this, that Genesis is the seed plot of the whole Bible. It's essential to the true understanding of every part of it. And I would also add this, that it's also essential for you to understand you. It's essential. And we forget that. It's important we understand the significance of Genesis as we, as we come to it, as we engage with it. And really, the, the, the beginning of Genesis is, our, is, is, is so significant. The very first verse, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Everybody say beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The truth is the foundation of this book has, has continued to be challenged year after year. Generation after generation of people who want to discount it, discredit it. Because if they can discredit just the first verse, they can discredit everything else. If they can discredit that first verse, then nothing else in the book matters. How we live our lives doesn't matter. Humanity doesn't matter. But this is what we know in the beginning God created. We were created on purpose. And so what, what they want to do is discredit, what the world wants to do is discredit the heart of this, that you were shaped and made by a creator. And he loves you. And you have a purpose. But even in that, we get a glimpse of the story of Genesis. Even in the people who want to discredit, we get a glimpse of, oh, that's where that comes from. That humanity is so desperate to do their own thing, to go their own way. We are willing to write a false narrative of our roots, of our beginning. Humanity is so desperate to be independent from God that we trade our real roots of purpose, of creation, of being loved, of being created with intentionality, 
and marked with the image of our loving creator, God. And they will trade all of those things with a narrative of accidental, purposeless, lonely existence in which our lives are no more of any importance than a mosquito. They're so desperate. Our real roots, our beginning is in the one who intentionally shaped you, created the heavens and the earth, created the solar system. And as you gaze at the vast stars at night that are too, too numerous to count and to number, or the models that we try to create of the multiple galaxies that exist in the universe and try to understand gravity and when you realize all of this, when you realize actually how small you really are, in comparison to all of the universe, all of the world, and you can start to feel insignificant, but when you are connected to your roots, there is a great assurance that your beginning is not found in some Afterthought, it is found in the, in the intentionality of a loving God who shaped you, who formed you, who made you, who created this world to make you so he could be with you. Because he wanted a family. And that's found in the book of Genesis. Psalm 33 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and the starry host by the breath of his mouth. That's the theme of this book. God wants you to understand that we can trace our roots of everything that we are as children of God that are saved by Jesus. That we're a part of God's plan and purpose even today. That we're marked with his image. That he's our beginning. He's the one who made us. And the theme continues that God is the God of Beginnings. He's the God of creation. Genesis 2.4, this idea of beginnings continues. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's where it all started. It's where you started. Genesis 5.1 says, on the day when God created man. It's your beginning. And what's interesting is so many people, I want you to hear, hear, hear this today and catch this today. They pursue to find out their heritage. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's interesting. Where do they come from? What part of the world? What continent? Where can they trace, what region are they traced back to? Or ethnicity, that, which, which ethnicities are you made up of? But this is where many people go wrong. And I'll tell you why. Because it is a small part. It's a small part. And then they build their identity only on part of their story. And they try to explain their life without their full heritage in view, which is found in the book of Genesis. And any explanation, 
any explanation of your existence and identity which in which you stop short of your origin that's found in Genesis. If you stop short, it only explains a very small piece of who you are. And you will end up, if that's where you stop, majoring your identity on that which is a minor part of your story. Because you must follow it back to God. He's who gives you your identity. And all the other things is just interesting and great, but our identity as believers is found in Yahweh who spoke and created us. He made us. He shaped us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He is our creator. And the identity of us is found. I am a child of God above anything else in my life. Amen. And we must understand that. Our beginnings, they matter to God, which should matter to us. And this is why all through this book, it's, it's Moses who's de- detailing our beginnings, different beginnings. It speaks of the beginning or genesis of Noah. And then traces the sons of Noah. The genesis continues to speak of the beginning of the Hebrews. The Jewish people in Genesis 11. Genesis 25, 12 speaks of the beginning of Ishmael. Later speaks of the beginning of Isaac. Speaks of the Genesis of Jacob. The book of Genesis, it's the book of all beginnings. It's the beginning of time. It's the beginning of matter. It's the beginning of purpose. It's the beginning of sin. It's the beginning of God's plan. It's the beginning of the nations. It's the beginning of the Jews. It's the beginning of prophecy. It's the beginning of marriage. It's the beginning of the husband and wife relationship. It's the beginning of children. It's the beginning of of what it means to live a life of purpose. It's the beginning of family. It's the beginning of judgment. It's the beginning of the Savior of the world. It all starts at our roots, which is Genesis. Genesis 1 through 11. This actually covers a good amount of time, around 2,000 years, somewhere in there. There are these events that I just want you to to see and just notice them today. And then I'm going to land the plane and give us an application of what it means. But the events, we have creation that are in Genesis 1 through 2. This is where it all began. This is what we spoke of, and I'm going to continue to preach on this over the next couple weeks. Then it moves to the next major event that matters to us, that's a part of who we are, the fall of humanity. Genesis chapter 3, this, this helps us understand why is it? Why is it that I have, I have the same desire that I see Adam and Eve having? Why is it that, 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 that they've passed something on to me? The next major event is the fall and rebellion of angelic beings. Genesis 6, which is a very unknown one to most people. But whatever happened at Genesis 6, and when you read it, you're going to go, what? Which there was a lot of things in Genesis that you do that. What? But whatever happens in Genesis 6, that the sons of God 
laid with the daughters of man. The Hebrew is they took them forcibly. They raped them and created children that were called the Nephilim. Bizarre, but important. Because this permeated and corrupted humanity so deeply It accelerated humanity's self-destruction. Then God has to send another event. And you're, sorry, you're like, time out. Can we just talk about that for a second? No. <laughs> we will eventually. And because humanity had been corrupted so bad, God had to start over. And then we have the flood. The Bible tells us that God had no other option but to send the flood to wipe out humanity. The Bible, now hear me today, never says that God was angry, but it says that he was grieved deeply in his heart. God had given humans freedom. They had been corrupted, and he could not take that freedom away because they would no longer be like him. And he made them in his image, and he has choice. So he started over. And the only choice was to, was to wipe them out with a flood. And he had to fix whatever this fallen angelic beings had done to humankind. So God chooses Noah, who was according to Genesis 60, um, wrong number. Genesis, it says that he was the only righteous one which also may mean that he was the one who had not been corrupted yet in his bloodline by what happened in Genesis 6. But he was righteous. He was a man of faith. And so God continues for his plan for humanity. This is the beginning of our story. After the ark, God tries again for humanity to be what he created them to be in the garden. So listen, every time we get through Genesis, what's going on? God's trying to get us back to Eden. He's trying to get us back into this place of safety with him, this place of salvation, this place of where he provides for us, this place where he protects us. So God creates, create, excuse me, starts over again with Noah and his sons. And he tells Noah and his sons after they step off of the ark. He tells them exactly what he told Adam and Eve. God blessed Noah and his sons, chapter 9, and says to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground, all the fish of the sea, and to your hand they are delivered. This is exactly what God said to Adam and Eve. What's he doing? He's starting over with his original intent for humanity. He says that I gave you the green plants and I give you everything. But instead, so they multiply. Now this is like fast forward. So instead of after they increased the number and them inhabiting and going to establish what God created them to do, to bear his image, to, 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 to go and, and, and bring forth the image of God on the face of the earth and to be what he created them to be, the steward of the earth. Instead of spreading out, they decided to gather in one place. They decided to do their own thing. 
And they gathered in a place called Babel. And they built a tower to their own glory to bring God, instead of them taking God, the image of God to the earth, they built something that said, hey God, we want you to come here. We're gonna, we're gonna create for you a dwelling place. He says, oh man, not again. They don't get it. Then you have the event of the Tower of Babel. Found in Genesis 11, one of the most known events in Genesis, but also one of the least understood. Up to this point in the story of God, he was dealing with humanity as a whole. But it was the event of the Tower of Babel, which we'll talk about, where human beings would be segregated by language, by geography. You can read it. That's where the nations were, the borders of the nations were created. The languages were scattered. God, God says, listen, if, if, we don't, if we don't scatter their languages, they're going to just do this again and again. And they're never going to scatter out and do what I called them to do. They're still doing their own thing. But something deeper happened. God was grieved and God was angry. You, you, you want me to, is this what you want? You're going to build a tower for your glory. You still don't get it. And God, again, was rejected by humanity. He was rejected time and time and time again. And frustrated and hurt, he then removes them from underneath his care and places them under other authorities, other angelic beings. And God assigned the people to some of his heavenly assistants. You're like, Jason, this is strange. It gets weirder. But once you see it, you go, ah, that's why the nations, that's why this, that's why that. Deuteronomy 32 speaks of this event. It says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance. Now remember, their inheritance was him. And they were to be made in his image to go and be fruitful and multiply. And the inheritance was the earth. He says, okay, fine. And he divided mankind. He fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. So this is before Israel existed. This was not some son. This was before all of that even existed. And he assigns them. He, he, he disinherits them from him because they don't want him. They, they, want to be, they want to do their own thing. But he's still thinking, how do I get man back into the garden? Back into relationship with me. And then it goes on, but the Lord, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. So he assigns them. And then he says, I'm going to choose my own people. And I'm going to mark not only with my image, with my own name. So just as he shaped out the borders and the languages and the, and the, and the people and assigned them to heavenly assistance to, to carry out his will over them, he then says, I'm, I've got to start over again. I've got to get these, these mankind back to Eden. And so he chooses Abraham. And we have Genesis 1 through 11, the, these significant events that help us understand our world today, but it helps you understand you. 
helps, helps you understand we live in a spiritual world. This isn't just, just this, oh, we're just, is it? no, 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 no. There is, we are deeply in a spiritual world. But that's our beginning. And then it shifts from events to people. And Genesis chapter 12 through chapter 50 is only a little over 300 years. And God made a covenant in the Garden of Eden that was broken. We saw that. God made a covenant with Noah that fell apart at the Tower of Babel. We saw that. God wanting to continue, though, to have a family would carry out his purpose on the earth. Begins again. He makes another covenant with a man named Abraham. This wasn't about God giving up on the rest of humanity. It was about God, again, providing a way to offer everlasting life to all of humanity. God just couldn't stop loving these people who couldn't stop rejecting him. And so he kept going back to the beginning, to his purpose for you, to his love for you, to his covenant. And the people that we find in Genesis 12 through 50, the first one is Abraham. God shows Abraham as his portion. Now he gave the portions of the other lands, the other nations. He assigned them, which we read out of Deuteronomy. He assigned them to the number of the sons of God. He, there, portion, nations, here. Many scholars believe about 70 were created right then. 70 nations. But God says, but I'm choosing for myself, my own people. I gave you that. But I'm choosing my own. To start again, again. And as God assigns the nations, as he assigned the borders, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take me, Abraham, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to map out my own land that's mine, marked with my name. And that's Israel, the land we call Israel. And they were set apart for God's purpose. What was God's purpose? All of humanity. All of humanity. Regardless of what happened to the Tower of Babel, God did not forget those people. He didn't forget the Gentiles. And those people throughout the Bible are called Gentiles. That means not from Israel, not from Abraham. And he starts over again with a new people, Israel. And also he told Abraham this, I want you to catch this, that his descendants someday would be a blessing to the other nations that were not Israel. How? Jesus. Jesus. What was his plan, Jesus? He had to set a, a part of people and a land. Why? For the nations to be re-inherited back through Jesus so that we could go back to Eden. We could go back to our purpose. We could go back to moving the kingdom forward. We could go back and begin again. Friends, the way forward is the way back to the beginning. As I was preparing this, 
I really felt strongly the Holy Spirit is saying this to many of us in this room. It's time to begin again. It's time. God is the God of new beginnings. This season of you dedicating your time and these moments with God and His Word, it's, yet it's time for you to begin again, to go back to where your relationship with Him once was, to return to your first love. It's to go back to the passion that once burned in your heart and in your belly. It's to go back to a marriage where Jesus was the center and love and forgiveness was evident in your home. To go back to the moment God whispered his purpose for your life. And somewhere, just like these people, they just got off and they started doing their own thing. They are And God is always calling us, no, 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 come back to why I made you. Come back to why I created you. I believe that God is calling you back. To the place or to the time that you didn't have compromise in your life. Back to the time when your heart was carefree of unforgiveness and bitterness and you didn't talk bad about anybody. But now it's the only thing that you can talk about is somebody else. He wants to bring you back to joy. He wants to bring you back to hope again. He wants to bring you back to a place of satisfaction in him. He wants to bring, he wants to bring you back to the vibrancy of what it means to live by faith, what it means to be faithful in the house of God, what it means to serve in the house of God, what it means to be excited about what God's excited about. He wants to bring you back. Back to humility, back to surrender. And God wants to meet you in his word. As he met Adam and Eve. As he walked with them. As he met Noah. As he met Abraham. As he met David. He wants to meet you. But you got to go back. To go forward. You've got to return to move on. This is God inviting you, friends, to begin again. Will you say yes to that? Will you say yes to making this the start of this for us as a church a time to go back, to return to that which you, which you know is that was right. That was where I needed to be. That was what God had for me. And I've drifted. I've been distracted. I've, I've gone down. I don't, I don't even know who I am anymore. God says, I want you to come back. Because I'm the God of new beginnings. And he's, he is inviting you to that today. Go back the beginning and receive what God has for you over, these, over this next year. Stir up the fire in your belly again. 
Become passionate about sharing your faith again. Actually see your neighbors around you as people God has set in your life for you to reach. Go back to when your Christianity wasn't about a time clock or a a service. It was who you were. Go back to sacrificing for what God's called you to. Go back to being faithful to what God has put in front of you. Go back. Lay aside the I don't, I, don't, I don't want this and I don't like this and I don't, don't for, lay that go back to Lord I'm just grateful that you love me and I'm grateful you, you put air in my lungs and you've given me people in my life you've given me a church and I don't know about that pastor but I like everybody else and God yeah I'm just just let's friends let's can, can, can we go back When our relationship with God was, it was everything. That's what we thought of when we rose in the morning. It was what we thought of before we went to bed. It was what we thought of while we were with our family. It was, he's my everything. Let's go back. Father, we thank you today for your word that invites us to begin again. And we make that commitment today, God, that we would begin again. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us right now the areas I know you already are, that it's time to go back. And we lay everything aside. We lay it all down. We don't try to figure out, we just lay it all down and we begin the journey to the beginning where we are found and our roots give us our foundation and we begin again. So Lord, we open our lives to you today. We give you all that we are. We surrender and we say yes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? If we can, let's stand to our feet and please know if you want prayer at the end of service in just a moment, our prayer team will be here. I'd be honored to pray with you. If you realize that you are not securing your relationship with Jesus and you want someone to pray with you regarding that journey, that's why we're here. Please come forward. We'd be honored to pray with you. But I'd like to pray, with, pray for you today as we leave. If you can, just lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, I ask you today that you would bless your people, that you would guide them and lead them. Lord, that they would leave here today with the direction of going back to the beginning, to the place of their first love. Lord, begin to show them that area, whether it's a marriage, whether it's habits, regardless of what it is, God, 
take them to the beginning. And may they know today that it is not on their own strength. It's just by surrendering and saying, Lord, I want to go back. So, Lord, we come back to the beginning. May you bless them. May you lead them. May you guide them. May you open their eyes to the spiritual world we live in. And may they shine brightly across the backdrop of a dark world that needs them deeply, desperately to shine. And may they point people to you and may they bear your image and make you known as we leave this place and scatter among the city. We do it to carry out your purpose. Lead us and guide us. Bless them, strengthen them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.